Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History of a Cave Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine, and we're continuing our story of the poison. So we know that a lot of people were getting poisoned in the 17th and 18th century. Claudine was telling us the history of that in part one. And today we continue with part two. So I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, so last week we talked about Mary Madeleine, and she was the one who they basically what she was doing and how she, you know, killed her father and killed her brothers. And and then she and her lover were, you know, testing their poison out, killing people at the at the Hotel Dieu at the hospital. Um, but what everything that she did is what launched the poison affair. So this actually we actually this week get into what the actual poison the affair of the poison actually was. Um we have talked about this a little bit in the past um without going into huge detail when we talked about uh, Madame de Montespan of Louis the 14th um one of his great lovers which we'll get into and then but we'll give you a link for that one so you can go back and listen to that to get even juicier details on who she was. Uh, but we left off that now um, the Louis XIV appointed Gabriel Nicolas de Lorient, who was the Lieutenant General of the police. He had him create a task force basically to look into everything about this because of what uh, Mary Madeline said as she was taken to the guillotine saying, there's so many more people involved in this. Why am I the victim? Why am I the only victim? You know, if I was to talk, they should have like gave her maybe a reprieve and said, okay, we'll cut, chop your head off tomorrow. Tell us what you know today. <laughs> yeah, get more But they did not do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Rianne first went after the alchemists that were in Paris, um, which then led up to a lot of the poisoners um, and to the front door of a woman named Catherine Deschets-Montboisson. Um, Catherine was born in 1640. She was married to Antoine Montboisson, who was a Parisian jeweler. Um, they had one daughter, Mary Marguerite, that would later turn against her mother, as you know, some of them do. Um, Catherine was first just a palm reader and a fortune teller, but she quickly, those things um, led to being uh, a woman of potions and poisons. And she even performed abortions at, at the time, which, of course, was something that, you know, this is 1640. So, um, which was at a time when, you know, when we've talked about these in the past and, and sometimes when you're watching these, when I was watching Versailles with a friend of mine recently, then you see, you know, the King having sex with these, you know, his mistresses. And it was like, wasn't everybody just getting pregnant all the time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, you know, the pill, there wasn't birth control. Um, they did have weird things that they did, um, you know, to kind of hopefully, uh, counteract that. Um, uh, but abortions and very under the table back in a dark alley were kind of the abortions that were had at the time. Um, but one of the most horrific uh, acts of this time was a thing called the black mass. Um, this was practiced around, um, was it been practiced around, you know, for quite a few centuries, but it was given this name in the 17th century. Um, a woman who we've talked about, and I mentioned her last week, Catherine de Medici was known to have hold, held a black mass one time on May 28, 1574. But in the time of the poison affairs, um, it was a priest who was kind of uh, kicked out of the uh, out of the Catholic Church named Etienne Goubert. He resurrected this practice in Paris with Catherine de Montbasson um, in 1673. 
um, what this was is not for the faint of heart. Um, and it's really kind of, uh, when we talked about this, uh, in a previous episode, it was one of those things where you and I, before it, I was like, I'm not sure how we talk about this without making it sound pretty horrific. Um, because it involves killing a baby. Yeah. It's horrible. Which Catherine was never short of because of, uh, you know, her job also as practice, you know, as a abortionist. In 1658, um, Madame de Montespan was a lady in waiting to Henriette of England. She, um, the young Francoise was now close to Louis the Fourteenth, who later died from suspicious causes. Um, Montespan had her eyes on the king, but she needed to befriend a woman named Louis de la Vallier, who was his current headmistress. When Louis and the Queen, um, uh, the, Louis the Fourteenth's wife, was pregnant at the same time by the King, she asked Montespan to dine with the King each evening to kind of. She thought maybe if I have my friend stay close to the King, then you know it'll ward off any of the other women. But it was like basically turning the fox into the hen house. Oh no. So, you know, which is also like, how did that go down? That it was like, oh, I'm pregnant and the queen's pregnant and we're both pregnant by the king. Like, and, you know, the queen, it wasn't like the queen could get outraged because you just had to deal with it and go along with it. And if you do watch those first in the first season of that show, Versailles, you know, you do see where this, you know, those woman and the queen was pregnant at the same time. Um, but it just seems like, it just seems so weird. And it's just like nowadays, like, I guess, you know, in some places where they have multiple wives that could happen, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a very strange. So, um, Montespan, Madame de Montespan got very close with the King. Um, Louis, uh, Louise left the court, um, and Montespan moved into her place. Uh, La Voisin is what Catherine, uh, Montvoisin, she was known as La Voisin, which basically means the neighbor. Um, she and Montespan first met in 1665 when she asked, uh, La Voisin to create a love potion for her to use on the King. So he would turn her, his attentions onto her. Um, she ended up having seven children with Louis the Fourteenth, so obviously something might have worked. If you watch this show Versailles, they don't depict, they don't even mention that they ever had any children. So if you watch that, that if you watch that show, which is really great, just know that it's about seventy percent accurate. Um, and watch it, and if you want to, then go look into who some of these characters are and what their real story was. Um, but if you're watching it on, you know, don't, don't come back to me and say, wait, she didn't have any kids. That's not how it was in the show, but they just, you know, this is how, this is the, how they do this. Um, but so she ended up wanting to keep him around. So she would go to Montespan. Then when things started getting serious, because now she's having, you know, she has seven children with him. She has these, has these pregnancies. And as sometimes happens, you know, it's a little harder maybe to get rid of the baby weight. So she got a little bit rounder around the corners. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, and the King always had his eye on all these young members that, that were coming to court. And there was never any short of um, because, you know, the mothers, you know, it would be great if you, if your daughter became a lover to the King, you know, and he wants you to stay at court, he'll marry you off to somebody, he'll give you a title, he'll give you land, he'll give you all this money. So even as a mistress, you know, you live like a queen as a mistress until he gets tired of you. So, you know, Madame de Montesman didn't want that to happen. So she returned back to Catherine 
And this is when they started doing the back mass um, for Montespan. In 1672, uh, Guibert and Lavoisin um, came. They went to an empty chateau that sat between Orleans and uh, Paris. And so uh, Madame de Montespan uh, went there. And the, uh, as I said, it's not for the faint of heart. And I'll try to do this as delicately as possible. But they would lay her out on a stone slab completely naked with her arms out uh, at her side, kind of in the shape of a cross. In each of her hands, she held a candle, and on her um, belly, they placed a silver chalice that would be there to, as I guess we'll just say, capture the blood from the baby. Yikes. That's horrible. So this whole thing happened. Um, she had to chant something that was, she basically said, as someone day, Prince of love, I beg you to accept the sacrifice of this child in its, in exchange. I will keep the King's affection, the favor of the princess of the court and the satisfaction of all desires is what she had to say while they, and they do actually depict this happening in that show Versailles. And I will, uh, find exactly the episode and put that on the website so if you do actually want to uh sadistically watch what this happened they did this ritual three times in 1673 um at 16 or 1672 1673 Uh, But it all came crashing down on March 17th, 1769. Um, On a Sunday afternoon, La Vasson was walking out of the church and was spotted by Renier, who uh, quickly arrested her. She was quite adept at the dark arts, but she believed that she was uh, was basically bestowed these powers on her by God. Um, She'd go to church all the time. She was even a high priestess in the church, in the Catholic church. Uh, but she believed that these things were given to her for a reason. Um, and so when the lieutenant was there to arrest her, she just easily walked away because she didn't think she really had done anything wrong because her abilities um, were given to her, you know, by God. Um, her Everybody knew who she was. She was so popular um, just for even just going to get a palm reading or just to get some little potion for something um, that people lined up outside her door every single morning before she even woke up. She's and she was quite wealthy, like she, terrifying. yeah, she made a lot of money. She was very, very wealthy for a woman at that time because of this. Um, you know, at that time, women had no rights, especially over their own bodies. Um, and so, be careful. There's, you know, there's some parallels to this. Yeah. <laughs> now, as women are losing more and more rights over their own body, um, you know, hopefully a, a la vaisselle doesn't pop up again and uh, poisoning start happening. Um, but she, uh, you know, she, she would help alleviate these pregnancies, um, for some people, some of these women that were very high up, um, her, she lived on the Rue Beaujolais in the seventh in the second, I'm sorry. And so she, uh, when, after she was arrested, they came to inspect her house. Um, her daughter was there and basically authorized them to do whatever she, they wanted to look everywhere. In her backyard, they found basically the corpse of over 2,500 babies. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, but 
you know, I think a majority of those, you know, were abortions. Um, but because, you know, there was, you know, if she did these black masses, um, which was, a, you know, everybody knew of this wasn't some, you know, shrouded in secrecy, what brought black masses were or that they were being performed. So, and they could be performed to get, to make potions for all sorts of things. It wasn't just for like a, a love potion, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to get your lover. Um, but, this whole organization that was established under Louis the 14th was called the uh, Chambre Audente. Um, and they set up an office in the Arsenal that's down there over um, kind of between the Seine and the Place de la Bastille. Um, they had a office there. They had 13 different um, magistrates, like judges that were there interrogating prisoners. Um, experts, including doctors, were on hand to help delve into the chemistry and the poison um, in terms of the evidence to see exactly what was going on. The windows were covered with dark cloth uh, because all of Paris was coming to see, to get a glimpse of this. And, you know, it was in the papers of the time. Um that this was going on. And so people would just stand there all day to watch, to bring, you know, to see who were these men and women they were bringing in. Majority of these were women. Um, in the years of the investigation, the um, they ended up uh, for three years, they had 442 people were accused of which 319 were subpoenaed and 194 were arrested. 36 uh, people were executed and twice as many of that killed themselves. Oh gosh. Wow. So, this was a major thing. And this is before, this is about 10 years before the, before everything happened. The Salem witch trial in you know, the United States is probably the most famous thing. When you talk about witchcraft, everybody re- will think instantly of that. This was 10 years before that ever happened. They already had their witch hunt. Yeah, they already had it. So uh, the few that were closely associated with La Boisson, uh, because this had very far reaches, um, there was a woman named Francois Fidistre. She was arrested in 1680. She uh, was confirmed to be involved with Etienne uh, Guibert and the Black Masses as well. Francois was sentenced to death um, or life in prison, and she died in 1686. But her testimony would lead to the incrimination of Montespan. That's how basically it wasn't Lavoisin who brought down Montespan. It was uh, Francois. After Voisson's arrest, uh, Montespan had contacted Fidistre to supply her now with the poison she needed for court. Another woman named Francois de Drou, um, was she was born of noble birth, um, and she married to a high-ranking member of the Parliament of Paris. Um, however, she was in love with a gentleman named Armand Jean de Vignet de Puisse, who was related to the Cardinal de Richelieu. She killed her husband so she could be with her lover. She was oh. arrested and brought on trial um, for uh, poisoning another man. Um, he and was also involved with uh, the poisoning of this man's uh, wife as well, because he this woman was in love uh, with Rochelle Yu as well. She was later acquitted, um, but another because of her, she'd bring another case back into light. Uh, Margaret de Jolie was uh, very skilled and very as successful as La Vassant. She was arrested and subject to water torture, where she gave up the names of many of her clients, including Francois de Drew, who thought she was in the clear, but uh, Drew was going to be arrested again. Um, she managed to, uh, to flee France, but she never was found. So she luckily got out in time. Marguerite Lefranc was the wife of another judge um, that she didn't like her husband very much. 
She like uh, Drew killed her husband so she could marry her lover, Deprod. Deprod was only after her money. So when she found that out that her lover wanted her money, she decided she needed to kill him as as one does. <laughs> oh my, as one does. And so, yeah, she was arrested and exiled. Um, and so not everybody went to their death. Um, Marie Bois, La Bois, as she was known, was the first poisoner arrested in the roundup. Um, and she also pointed her figure, finger at La Boisson. One night at a party, she had too much wine and La Bois brag, it was bragging to everybody how much money she was making um, due to uh, the poison that she was creating for these women of Paris that wanted to kill her husbands and lovers. Someone at the party reported it back uh, to the Lieutenant Rien and Boisson was, Boiss was arrested as well as her daughter and her sons. Um, Marie Boiss met her fate on the Place de Grève on May 8, 1679, being killed. Um, and her children were just sentenced uh, to life in prison. Oh. Uh, Marguerite de Poillon obtained poison from Marie Boiss to kill her husband, Alexander de Poillon. But he survived and was able to hand her over to the police. Her beauty um, saved her for the same fate as many of these other women. When Renier heard of his of her lenient sentence, he decided to exile her and sent her to work at a holding house for former prostitutes in Angers, where she ended up spending the rest of her life. <laughs> Wait, what? That's, what? That's how it ended? Yeah, so he basically, she, instead of having, you know, she was a first sentence to death, but they thought she's too beautiful to die, you know, by being burned at the stake. So let's just send her to a uh, holding house of former prostitutes where she'll spend the rest of her life. She was there to like, you know, clean the bathrooms every day, which, you know, was, of course, the whole um, but she had to do all this stuff to help take care of the um, these former prostitutes that were kind of locked away. Um, in 1678, the investigation um, was going and it started to point in the many directions to Louis XIV and the court of Versailles. Evidence mounted and it was discovered that Louis XIV had been poisoned for 13 years by Madame de Montespan. What? And the Sun King ordered. Yeah, she, if you remember when we did that podcast, they, they did... Uh, they did some, you know, tests on um, Louis the Fourteenth, and he had been slowly poisoned for thirteen years. Obviously, it wasn't enough to do any damage to him, um, but he had been poisoned for thirteen years. So when he found this out, he had told the lieutenant that he could only make notes on unattached paper, so he couldn't write things down in books. He had to make notes on unattached paper and um, destroy it. On July 13, 1709, 29 volumes of evidence uh, were destroyed in a fire under the command of Louis XIV because it basically pointed all of this stuff out about Montespan and how she had been poisoning him and how she had been poisoning um, and these other women involved in poisoning other women and people at court. Um, and so, of course, he couldn't have that because then that looks like he's weak and he can't control anything. So all of these things had to be destroyed in a fire. So a lot of the evidence against Montespan was destroyed, except for the notes of our good friend, Madame de Sevigny. And some of the files of Renier were still held um, to this day in the prefecture of Paris. They still have some of that stuff. That's interesting. Some of that. Yeah. So some of this, though, you know, like. You know, there's just we have all of this, you know, writings of other people that said and from many different sources, but the actual evidence of how attached it was 
to court in Louis the Fourteenth that has but pretty much all been destroyed. But there's enough of it coming from other sources that you could say, yes, this definitely did happen. Um, but then he basically had them close this hole out. Like as soon as it, he ordered this because he was like, oh, well, we have to get to the bottom of this. But then once it started pointing a finger towards him, he basically was like, okay, stop. This is closed, destroying everything, pretending that like this didn't happen. In the end, three times of the arrests were, that were made um, and again, 10 years before the Salem witch trial. So if this was three times larger than what um, the largest thing that most people think has to do with poison and witches. That's wild. And wow. I mean, there's just so much to this story. It could be just like its own podcast in itself. I mean, imagine getting poisoned for yeah. years. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And- it is crazy. And especially like you hear, you know, you hear um, about all these things. And a lot of people have heard this about how, you know, there'd be the tasters of the king, you know, that the, they would have to taste his food before he would eat it. But I never understood that because sometimes they'd be, po- you know, you'd be poisoning, you could poison them and it's not something that's going to kick in right away. So it's like, what did these people eat the food and then wait 24 hours before it served to the king? Because then anybody could go in and poison it again. You know, it wasn't like the, uh, you know, taking a cyanide capsule and, you know, you see that in spy movies where they ingest it and instantly their mouth is foaming and they die. You know, that's not that these poisons were created, you know, to be undetectable and to not taste. So even if you were tasting their food and even their stories of that, you know, Queen Elizabeth II, who died last year, had people that tested her food. Oh, I didn't even know the queen had that. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense when you think about it. It's like, what was the point of that? Like, <laughs> I guess it was yeah. instant poisonings. They thought they were protecting him somehow. It wasn't. Yeah. Long. Obviously, it didn't work. He got poisoned for 13 years. Yeah. And, then, you know, back then, I mean, you know, Mary Madeline that we talked about last week, you know, they were day- testing these out and doing actual research. <laughs> like, It was pretty methodical the research they were doing of being like, okay, we put three tablespoons of poison in this, you know, this gateau, and now we're going to take it and see how long it takes to affect them. And, um, you know, but I'm sure that some of these things, you know, like the whole thing about the black mass, you know, who, like, just because you said these words, and it's the the blood of a baby, like, how is that supposed to actually, you know, like, the belief they had in some of these things is pretty, it's, it's pretty uh, interesting to say the least to, you know, I mean, now it's like, if you put rat poison, like, you know, the fantastic cinema of uh, the old movie nine to five with Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin and, and Dolly Parton, you know, they, they uh, accidentally poison the boss with rat poison in his coffee instead of, you know, coffee mate. Um, and uh, you know, that definitely over time kills them, but you know, and it says all things like do not, you know, do not drink bleach. Like, okay, that's a no brainer. Don't do that. Cause you'll probably <laughs> die. But back then, you know, what did they have? And I'm sure they had things that were killing people and they didn't even know why they were killing people because they just ate the wrong mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. They had a lot to learn back then. That's for sure. And how did yeah. he survive really? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you know, Lavoisin, if you ever, if you look up anything about the poison affairs, it's, it's definitely Lavoisin was a big, but you know, there was people that came before her that were doing this. She just kind of became the poster child of it because she was the huge big arrest that was made. And then it just kind of started unfolding from there. 
Um, but you know, Catherine de uh, Lavoisin, that, which is funny because it just, that means the neighbor. <laughs> so I guess, you know, she was, you know, just any old neighbor living next door. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. Like you said, it's amazing. Anybody survived between, you know, syphilis, tuberculosis, poison. Uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Anybody survived it and we have any descendants out of France. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The food and water. I mean, so many things were going on. Um, but thanks for tuning in guys and definitely check out Claudine's website, ClaudineHemingway.com for more information and make sure you tune in next week. We are continuing our adventures in true crime in France. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, claudinehemingway.com.